Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well best bits of tonight's show. Wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Uh, let's talk to uh, Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Romain. Jonathan, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hello again. I'm, I'm pr- pretty angry that, you know... Uh, even though today, of course, uh, is 75 years since this tragedy happened, in history that's not very long ago at all, is it? Uh, no, and, and the astonishing thing is uh, this wasn't like, as you say, in the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages full of you know, ignorance and superstition. It was in living memory. Mm. And it wasn't in some far beyond place in the back of beyond. It was in Central Europe. And not only Central Europe, but Germany, which was really a civilised, sophisticated country. It was the home of Beethoven and Bach. Mm-hmm. And yet, still, people did astonishing things. I mean, uh, hor- horrific things that, uh, that would, would almost be unbelievable if we didn't actually have the witnesses to say, no, no, it happened. The, the tragedy of the Holocaust is twofold. Firstly, that it happened in the first place. And secondly, that we really haven't learned from it because, um, you know, that brave cry that was uttered in 1945, never again. Hmm. Well, OK, it hasn't happened again in Germany, but it has happened in Pol Pot's Cambodia, in Rwanda, um, today with the Rohingyas, um, and, and even on the tip of, um, in, in Europe, elsewhere, in Bosnia. Hmm. Um, and there is some default gene, I don't know, or mechanism within the human system that just has a tendency to prejudice, to discrimination, to see anybody that's not quite the same as you as being different and therefore being dangerous, uh, instead of saying, oh, well, they're different, therefore they're interesting or enriching. Mm. And, um, and that's why, really, it's just so important to keep the memory alive, not just for, for Jews, but for anybody who is a minority in anybody else's country. And, um, you know, whether it's... Um, it, it doesn't matter who, who you, you... You know, you can really tell a country sort of... Uh, moral health by the way it treats its minorities. That's a barometer. Why on earth isn't it being taught in schools? Oh, well, to be honest, it is. Um, And uh, successive governments have put a lot of money. Now, you may say we could do more, and and I would agree with you, but it is now on the curriculum. Mm. Schools do consider it. They they also do uh, outings to various places, including Auschwitz. Um, So the, the knowledge is beginning to seep through, um, whether we could, you know, increase it. Uh, yeah, yes, of course we could. Um, but, you know, that, and that is, frankly, the only way, the education. Uh, I'm not speaking just as someone who's Jewish or a rabbi, uh, made in the head synagogue, but I'm also uh, the child of a refugee who came over here, you know, by the skin of her teeth, literally about two weeks before war broke out in August 39. And one of my earliest memories is her showing me the photograph album 
I must have been about five or six at the time, and showing me her aunts and her uncles and her cousins. I said, hang on, I've never met them. Mm. And she just said, no, and you never will, and closed the book. And it was only some years later that she explained, of course, that they didn't get out. So the memory of the Holocaust must be kept alive. The question is, how do we best do it? Um, now, I'm not very keen on this proposed new um, Holocaust Museum uh, next to the House of Commons, simply because we already have a very good one in central London in the Imperial War Museum. So it seems daft to, to duplicate it. Um, and there are some other factors as well. I mean, you know, it's one of the few green spaces left um, in that area, so, uh, and the locals are very unhappy. But perhaps more important is, is the point that you raised about children's education. Mm. And I would much prefer the... I think it's £102 million that proposed for building it, to go into um, extending education, which would, of course, be across the country in schools up and down the, uh, the UK and not just being a London-centric museum that only a certain percentage of people will see. So keep the memory of the Holocaust alive, but how do we do it most effectively? Thank you very much indeed, Jonathan. Um, it's a very sad day, but one that everybody should uh, pay attention to, I think, and should... Uh, as it has been quite rightly, be in the news all the time. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Romain. Uh, how do you feel as a, a Jewish guy about it? Because you must have history, you must have relatives who yeah, were there. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, t terrible, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I know, I know from first-hand people uh, talking about it, but in the main, it's them not talking about it. They didn't really want to talk about mm. it. So it's like people who were in the, uh, in the First World War in the trenches never talked about it. People who... I suppose it brings it all back and they mm. want to put it behind them. So it's important to get them on record before they're, uh, they're all gone. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Um, the deadly coronavirus uh, may already be here, of course, uh, according to some top doctors. Uh, Professor Paul Hunter at the Norwich Medical School and the University of East Anglia joins us now. How seriously should we be taking this should we all be wearing masks or not well i think yeah, there's there's two issues there it, this is a very serious outbreak at uh, the moment it's restricted to china um but certainly uh, we don't know yet how far it will spread globally in terms of what we should be doing as a population at the moment uh, then i don't think the the risk to the uk at the moment is anything more than fairly low um we certainly should not be uh, wearing masks at the moment in the UK um, because, we, as far as we can tell, there are no uh, uh, cases in the UK and so uh, there will be uh, no risk for people uh, going about their daily businesses in the UK. Uh, clearly, um, everybody's looking at how this is developing and, and as things progress, uh, advice may change. But at the moment, I don't think people need to be worried about going anywhere in the UK. OK. Um, how serious is... Is it as serious as the SARS virus? Well, yeah, it, it, there's, there's two issues here. The first is how, how likely it is to spread, and the second is how lethal it is. Uh, all the evidence at the moment is that it's not as lethal as the SARS mm. epidemic, and that killed about 800 people. Um, uh, out of about 8,000 cases that we knew at the time. At the moment, for the uh, novel Wuhan strain, we don't yet know how big an outbreak it will be. Um, 
Hopefully what's going on in China at the moment will help to control that and prevent it spreading globally. And if that is the case, then, you know, we may end up with um, actually fewer cases than, than was the case in SARS. But, you know, uh, it's very difficult to predict these things early in the course of an outbreak because we still, we still don't totally know um, how far it's spreading and how um, uh, likely it is to spread from one person to another. But the early indications are that it's probably not quite as infectious as SARS and it's certainly not as lethal as SARS was in people who are actually uh, did get sick. But it takes apparently 10 days to show, but in that 10 days, you're, well, you're already yeah, contagious. I mean, people, yeah, I mean, people... This, we're not entirely sure exactly how the incubation period is. Certainly, it can. Uh, pe- there is good evidence that it can be as long as that, but it might actually be shorter than that. that um, we've heard reports about uh, transmission of infection when people are asymptomatic before they develop symptoms. And, and that's unusual because, you know, most of these respiratory infections only really get infectious when people start coughing and spluttering and sneezing and they've got runny noses and sore throats. And you don't tend to see that um, in SARS, in, sorry, in um, the Wuhan strain until um, later on. And in fact, the the earliest evidence is that the risk, the probability of getting these runny noses and sore throats, which are most infectious, are less than than we saw with SARS. So um, there have been reports of people spreading infection before they develop symptoms. Um, I think most of us think that if that, that is, and, and that's plausible, but that is probably not going to be one of the main um, Re, uh, ways that this is spread you've heard of you know coughs and sneezes spread diseases mm. so you know if you're not coughing and sneezing then uh, because you haven't developed then the chances of spreading diseases is much less so although we can't be complacent about that i don't think we need to be over concerned at this stage about um spread of infection before people develop illness and in fact that's what um i was watching a um uh uh, a video from uh, a live video from the World Health Organization today, and they they were uh, reinforcing that very message that although there are reports, nobody really believes that that's going to be a major route of transmission. Paul Hunter at the Norwich Medical School at the University of East Anglia. Thank you. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Uh, Right, Labour's Tom Watson has defended Carrie Simmons, who is Boris Johnson's girlfriend, uh, in this row about the badger cull. Uh, Because a lot of people have said, you know, she shouldn't be interfering or sticking her nose in. Now, I have to say, I live in the country, and I'm just making that point, first of all. I, I think the badger cull was completely... Uh, ridiculous, hasn't really done anything, um, and it's been very cruel in many cases. That's my view. There may well be, and I'm sure there are others who disagree. Uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of people are very upset that uh, apparently it's going to be stopped. A meeting in Downing Street between uh, Miss Simmons and Dominic Dyer, who I'm just about to talk to, the chief executive of the Badger Trust is expected to be raised by the National Farmers Union uh, and we'll talk to Dominic Dyer now. Dominic, good evening. Good evening. Um, so people are getting, some people, not me, getting worried about the fact 
that the Badger Coal may now be stopped. Jolly We're good job about, too, as far as I'm concerned. We're talking about Derbyshire here, of course, uh, yeah. not the rest of the country, I'm afraid. Well, it's a start. Uh, we're, we're probably going to see results of the coal from 2019 in, in a large number of counties, 41 areas across many counties of England, probably about 40,000 badges or more. We'll get those figures very shortly from the government. But, you know, one thing they did do last year that we welcome was pull the coal licence from Derbyshire, and obviously mm. this big political row, and I know we spoke about this before Christmas, um, was going to come up because the minute that the National Farmers Union got the uh, the right to take this judicial review to court, and a key element of it is discussions, of course, that I've had with Carrie Simmons and what they believe is influence over the Prime Minister to make that decision. So this has become quite a big political row at the heart of government now. Um, and quite rightly, in a way, because it seems that they've taken a sledgehammer to try and, and crack a nut, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. And I think, you know, I've said in the Times this morning, and I welcome Tom Watson's support for Carrie, because let's be clear, Carrie Simmons is a wildlife campaigner and environmentalist before mm. being partner of the Prime Minister. You know, she's patent of the Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation, which opposes the Badgerkal. You know, she works for Michael Bloomberg's group Oceana on ocean conservation projects. She's come to various marches and campaign events with me. She's come to various events like Bird Fair in the summer last year to speak about the environment. She's spoken out about the Badgerkal in the past, and in my view, she's got every right to do so again and continue to do so because this is a very cruel policy. Mm. It's probably cost 60 or 70 million pounds of taxpayers' money so far. We expect probably over 110,000 badgers have been killed when we get these new figures announced, and that's the biggest destruction of protected species in living memory. And we have no good evidence to show that it's lowering bovine TB in cattle. In fact, in some areas, like in Gloucestershire, we think it could be making a bad situation worse mm. with the actual numbers of cattle with the disease going up. So, you know, it's something that the National Farmers Union is hell-bent, and we've spoken about this before, about keeping going and destroying these animals anywhere where there are livestock farms. And what they're doing with this court case, in my view, is trying to shut Carrie Simmons down. Mm. And I think that goes to the very right of a partner of the Prime Minister, be they male or female, to have a voice and to have a right to speak their mind on such issues. And that's really important. Well, exactly. I don't think that uh, to, in this day and age uh, you can stop somebody, whoever they are married to, male or female, uh, having their own point of view. I think that is very sexist. Brian May was a big voice in this, wasn't he? Yeah. And the Queen. He was, yeah. You know, Brian is still a, a, a very strong voice for a science-based approach, not killing badgers, and runs a, a wildlife camp, uh, charity in Surrey. But, yes, you know, this is ridiculous, really. And I think it really goes to the heart of what the NFU tries to do. It's trying to control this policy. I think we spoke about this before Christmas, and you got quite angry, James. I did. Saying the NFU thinks they run the government on this issue, and I'm afraid they think they do. The interesting thing is about this, of course, is that the government is trying to restrict access to judicial review and says that they want to stop cases of judicial review Mm. that waste public money. This is a good example of public money being wasted on judicial review cases, and a number of Conservatives that I saw yesterday on social media were voicing those concerns, because the government have to go in and defend this case they will be spending your taxpayers money defending this case for a completely legitimate decision to mm. not issue a coal license in Derbyshire last year uh, okay thank you very much indeed uh, dominic dyer who is uh, the ceo of the badger trust uh, i know that won't sort of get everybody going but i like badgers and i i i, I think we need to treat uh, our wildlife a little bit better and i think the way they're culled is is quite appalling yeah and sometimes they're not killed cleanly either. Oh, is this one of your relatives? It's a friend. Oh. Have you been in touch with her? I remember you yeah, called yeah, us yeah, once. Got it. No, but I will do. If they were a rich man. I saw a picture of him. Not sure. No, picture, no. But a video. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you shouldn't watch those videos. I don't do those anymore. <laughs>
I prefer... What is your favourite Magnum, by the way? The one with the bits of almond in it. But I like the classic, just Perfect. vanilla ice cream covered in chocolate. I really love well, you, that. I've seen you have three of those in one sitting. Anything you want to talk about? Pretend. Anything I want. Well, what's the first thing that comes into your mind now? Uh, got a bit of heartburn. La, 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 Let's hang on to our badges. Those slimming tablets make you get rid of everything, you know. What do you mean? You, you know what I mean. Huh? James, wouldn't you have me back if I did an angry outburst to you? Um, I'm not sure. Goody, goody, goody. That was uh, the clips for today, the worst of Whale. Or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.